Welcome to Sports Business Secrets. I'm your host, Kevin Tarka. This podcast is specifically designed to share secrets from experts in the sports business world to help you along your own path to success in this industry. Each episode is packed with lessons and insights that never expire. You'll hear from general managers of professional teams to CEOs of sports tech companies to agents, coaches, players, and everything in between. I invite you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing players and coaches, traveling the world, and always finding a way to battle through obstacles in this competitive industry. Welcome back to another guest edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today's guest is Michael Raymond, the founder of Raymond Representation, a sport and talent agency that specializes in business, marketing, and lifestyle management. And today we learned all about Michael's um, early uh, path in the business world, his undergrad experience, which opened doors to the marketing world, the decision to go to law school and stay in law school, uh, how Raymond Rep was born, the original vision versus strategic pivots that he's made so far, uh, the breakdown of the entire NIL market, and he does an amazing job of breaking it down into three different categories, details of an actual NIL deal, um, and the deliverables that come with that deal, which is important for athletes to understand, um, and some recommendations on how to not only enter the sports business world, but to stay alive and succeed in the business. I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Michael, welcome to Sports Business Secrets. How you doing, my man? Appreciate it. So we we met a few years ago. Um, I remember I remember we because uh, I like to every time I have a guest on, I like to think back to you know w- one of the first times that we met. So I remember seeing you post a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn and being like, "All right, cool." He's posted about law school and marketing and your interest in hoops. So I reached out to see what you were all about, and uh, it's it's been I'm glad I did. It's been fun watching you kind of grow, learn, and then grow the business uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah, no, it's, it is funny. It's been probably, what, maybe two years now, uh, maybe like a year and a half since we first connected. And uh, I was always a huge fan of like the work that you were doing. And I loved, you know, your, your posts and your newsletters and all those kind of things. And I was a fan of the podcast, which I remember I had told you in the beginning when you had started the podcast. And I think you did that 365-day journey where you did it every single day, which First of all, that's probably one of, that should probably be one of your best accomplishments right there. Um, Cause that's literally one of the most incredible things I've, I've heard someone do. And um, I listened to like, probably I'd say 270 of those out of the 365. I, I really enjoyed them. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Yes. It was quite the challenge, uh, but we're excited to have yeah. you on. So on this podcast, as you know, we like to dive behind the scenes and share some sports business and life secrets with the audience that they can't find online. And so today we get to pick your brain on starting your agency, law school, the original plan versus a potential pivot, um, some of your basketball clients, and then really dive into the marketing and NIL business. So before we jump into that, I give my guests, uh, you know, a minute or so to, uh, to tell the audience a little bit about your upbringing and, and your background, where you grew up and uh, how Square One started for you in the sports business world. Yeah, no, 100%. So I'm actually in my hometown of South Florida. That's where I live. I live in Miami, Florida now full time. Um, but I actually grew up down here in Broward County, which is like probably 25 minutes north of where I am right now. Um, big basketball player growing up, you know, great family, played a lot of sports. I have an older brother who played sports with me growing up. He's actually the complete opposite of me. He's, uh, you know, not a a good student, hated school, dropped out, uh, but a really, really hard worker, entrepreneurial, has his own company. He does detailing and works at a marina with yachts and and boats and is in the boating industry and the car industry. Um, So, you know, he's doing a phenomenal job now. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I went to UCF as an undergraduate. I did economics and sports business while I was there. You could say that's kind of where my, you know, the fire ignited in me for uh, business sport. And I'm sure we'll get into that. And then I actually became the student president of the sports program while I was there for about two years. And it was such a phenomenal experience. And, um, you know, I became even more intrigued and, you know, fell in love with more of the business sport while I was doing that. And then I made my way to Miami Law School, uh, recently graduated, which, you know, has been a, has been a blessing. I'm so, so grateful for that opportunity. And uh, I'm back in Miami now full time. So that's where, you know, that's where the business is. And that's where we started Raymond Rep. I love it, man. So when you were in undergrad, did you have an idea on exactly what you wanted to do? I mean, like, or, or I guess even before that, like, like most people, 
in the sports business world that, you know, like they want to be a pro one day, like, you know, was that ever a, uh, uh, an ambition of yours? And then in addition to that, like at what point in college did you decide you wanted to go the law school path? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think like a lot of people, right. Everyone wanted to be a pro basketball player. So, you know, growing up, I was like, well, I want to be a basketball player. I want to play college basketball. I remember I had pictures of like UNC on my wall because I wanted to go there because of Michael Jordan. And, you know, I did watch a lot of the sports agent like movies and TV shows, you know, growing up like Jerry Maguire and, you know, Entourage and those kind of shows. And I did, I did have a very intriguing like passion for that side of the business. You know, one of the things I tell everybody is I didn't know what a sports agent was. So, you know, I just thought it was like a lawyer that did contracts and, you know, that was pretty much it. And, you know, once I got into college, you know, really the mentors that I had in that sports program kind of guided me in the right direction and really like taught me what it really was to be a sports agent. And not only that, that's where I kind of learned about, you know, the business of sport when it came to marketing, um, business operations, team operations, you know, general managers and how that works and scouting. And I really got to have an experience with all of those different things while I was in school. You know, I did internships with the Magic, with Orlando City, um, with UCF Athletics and UCF Basketball. But the thing that I kept coming back to, no matter what, was the players. And, you know, I just I had a knack for building relationships with these guys and just being super relatable, but also trying to be that business like figure for them, you know, kind of like a mentor in a way. Um, And I just like I just like connecting the dots. That's kind of my passion. I just love connecting the dots and helping them you know, make decisions and just make money and do better. So it kept going back to that. And I just found myself in the gym with them every night at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, you know, shooting hoops and catching rebounds and doing that. And I was like, you know what? I think the representation, you know, route is where I need to go. And then, you know, just to kind of wrap this up is with law school, my professor, you know, would always kind of talk to me about it. And, you know, growing up, my mom, she's actually a fashion designer and she makes shirts for a lot of lawyers. So growing up, I had a lot of lawyers in my life and they were always telling me about, you know, law school and that kind of stuff. And I always had it in the back of my mind. And then I think as a junior, you know, going into my junior year of college, I finally made the decision. All right, I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to take it very seriously and I'm going to start studying for the LSATs and do all that stuff. And I knew Miami was going to be the school I wanted to go to. That was always my dream school. My parents both went to Miami and uh, I also wanted to stay home. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to Gainesville or Tallahassee or anything like that. So, and, and again, Miami is the sport and entertainment hub. You know, so it's a great spot to be. No doubt. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned being a being a connector. Is it, it's really? I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more in terms of the the sports agent being a connector, but that, that's kind of what it's turned into, right? It's, is you know, the, yeah. there's a lot of labels in this industry, whether you're a, uh, an agent, a manager, um, or, or anything in between, honestly. Um, but ultimately it's being a connector and, 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 you know, it seems like that's kind of how you, you know, when you built a relationship with the players, that's the piece that you knew in your mind that you can start connecting them to. And I, I guess the, the start for you really was, was the marketing side and brand like passions for brands. Right. So when you were in law school, obviously you had that idea of potentially, you know, being a lawyer and sports lawyer, but then you really got your mind open to this whole being a connector to brands thing. So talk about how that kind of started your, your, your real journey into the, uh, into the marketing world and then ultimately being a connector Mm -hmm. to athletes. Yes. So it was pretty interesting. I, I mean, I'll go back to like before Raymond rep was a thing. And this was kind of like my first year of law school. And, you know, first year of law school, you're studying all day long. It's like pretty much a nine to five job. Um, but what I was doing slowly on the side was I was working with some of the basketball players that I had kind of grown up with, you know, at UCF, like an Aubrey Dawkins or a Taco Fall or Chad Brown, those kind of guys. Um, and also a couple of guys that were just like local in the Miami, South Florida area. And I wasn't their agent. You know, I wasn't their agent. I was just helping them, you know, with brand deals on social media I was helping them create content, you know, get video edits done for teams. Some of them told me they didn't have great relationships with their agents. So what I would do is I would try to connect the dots, you know, with people that I knew in the industry, you know, great guys like, like yourself, like now I, I would have that relationship and I would try to, you know, help them kind of coordinate those things. Um, and, and really doing, you know, camps in the summertime and helping them get sponsors for those camps. And I wasn't taking a dime. I mean, I wasn't making any money. I probably did this for six to seven months, you know, just to kind of have 
some kind of experience and some kind of resume that I can look back on and say, all right, I've worked with these guys. I've done this, I've done that. But really my passion just grew tremendously when I was doing this with the brand side and the marketing side. And I've always had a passion for social media. You know, I'm a big believer in building your own brand, not just like the clients that you work with. Um, you know, so that's always been something that I really, really, you know, put a lot of time and effort for, for myself as well. And I'm, I know we'll talk about this too. Um, but I just fell in love with, you know, with all the different brands, all the different opportunities. And I feel like it's just such a unique way to, you know, tell your story is working with brands that you have a passion for and a hobby for. And, you know, what people don't realize is that basketball players, there's a lot more to their life than just basketball, you know, and, you know, most of the time, as you know, like overseas guys, you know, they're in the gym two, three hours. And then, you know, if they don't have a game that night, they're just playing video games or, you know, on social media and they're chilling, relaxing. So there's tons of opportunities for guys to, uh, you know, start building their brand and working with companies. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want to, I mean, that's the topic that we can, I don't want to get on a tangent about overseas now, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a yeah. little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so th that was obviously your bridge into starting Raymond Rep. Did you yeah. have an opportunity to work with another agency? Did you, um, did you decide to go the entrepreneurial path? Like, like talk about Raymond Rep, I guess like the mission for it, but before that, like what, what, what got you from law school to starting your own company? Yeah, hundred percent. No, that's, that's, that's the whole, that's the bread and butter. So I definitely did have an experience working with other agencies and agents, um, you know, through school at UCF, I was working with a different agency in Orlando um, and he repped a couple of Orlando guys, some UCF guys. Um, so I was just helping him with, you know, scouting reports, going into the gym, you know, helping with rebounding, you know, kind of the general stuff that you do at an internship. Um, and then I, I built a really, really amazing relationship with Ray Allen's business manager. His name is Orrin Mayers, um, who's not only like a mentor, but a family member to me. Love the guy. Um, he works with me today and still helps me with a lot of things, kind of advises my agency. Um, but he taught me so much. He taught me so much and, you know, really guided me in the right direction, especially when it came to the marketing and business management side, because Orrin is not Ray's agent. He's his business manager. And that was kind of a cool side to learn about. Um, and now he's actually managing John Morant as well, which is obviously unbelievable and amazing experience for him. So um, got a really great learning experience with them. And then, like I said, I had great mentors like Scott Buckstein, who his brother's a GM. His brother was an agent for 10 years. So I worked with them on certain projects and stuff like that. So, you know, I would say I definitely had the experience. Um, and what's funny is when I started Raymond Rep, I was looking for internships at the time. And I was actually, you know, I was in talks with the MBPA to do a legal internship. I think I was talking to like Octagon Sports at the time for an internship. And I was reaching out to every agent that I knew that was in my Rolodex to try to do something. And then COVID had hit. And when COVID hit, you know, as you know, there's not a lot of jobs in the agent business already. You know, internships kind of come and go, and there's not a lot of longevity when you when you do an internship at an agency. Um, so they all were kind of dead at, at the point when COVID had hit really hard, and, and you know, nobody wanted to have any interns or new employees at the time. So I started Raymond Rep really because my best friend was sitting across the the, the couch from me. And he was like, you know what? You should just get the name on Instagram, like Raymond Representation, just to have it. You know, if anybody ever steals it, whatever, and maybe just start building your brand like now, you know, work with a couple guys, whatever, overseas guys. Um, and that's how it started. And it, and it very, very slowly, you know, I got my MBA license. I got my FIBA license. And then I really started to like create the foundation for what Raymond Rep is now, which it started as a basketball agency. And, you know, my goal was always basketball only, but it dramatically changed. And what happened was, is I got reached out to by an influencer slash, you know, content creator that, that played football at, game, at, uh, at Florida, at the University of Florida. And he had reached out to me and he was like, hey, I'm a football influencer. You know, I'm looking to monetize my brand. I haven't really worked with any companies, et cetera. Can you guys help me? And, you know, we had a lot of connections to UF and I was like, you know what, we might as well, you know, we're big on social media. We have some connections to brands, you know, let's try to help them. And that really just totally skyrocketed our business. I mean, we, we ended up signing him and doing deals with probably 10 plus brands in the first like two months. And then we ended up signing five of the biggest athlete influencers in the space, 
you know, like AJ Green, who's a football influencer. We work with Jesse Jones, Filet, who's very popular. Uh, we have some female talent who's amazing. Um, and we really built a marketing presence and in, in, in platform that way. And then just so to, to, to finalize this is we built the NIL division once NIL became a thing, which was like a year later, July 1st of last year. And we just totally took the NIL platform and just ran with it. And that's what I went and kind of dove all in with because um, I just see NIL as such an amazing opportunity. So that's kind of what I, that's kind of what we did. No doubt. Before before I grill you with questions and we educate the audience on the NIL yeah. uh, space here, <laughs> I, I think it's um, you know it's just important to uh, for the audience to understand. Like, I, the, the f- first of all, to give you props for starting your own business because it's it's a very difficult um, path to Absolutely. go. But but <clears throat> but also, I mean, everybody has their own story, and your story is unique. I think there was three keys there, uh, at least in, in 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 everyone's story that. There's an opportunity, which for you it was it was, um, you know, COVID hit, right? And then you needed to figure something out. Uh, you, you needed to believe in yourself. And then the third one is the most important of all, and that's to take action and really, you know, like take a risk, right? And 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 for me, I say, you know, like I had I didn't start my own agency because I had my, all my shit figured out. It was like there was an opportunity or lack thereof where I didn't get an opportunity somewhere else. I believed in what I was doing. I didn't know that, that I was the best at it or not, but. You know, you, t- you take that risk and you jump off the ledge and you want you hope that Raymond Rep survives before we hit the ground, right? And that's kind of where yeah. you're at. I think it's just a, um, you know, just wanted to, just wanted to point point that out and give props where props were due. I, I think another interesting point to make on this topic is, you know, I knew when I went to law school from day one that I didn't want to be a traditional lawyer, and I think that was important too because a lot of law students go and they don't really know what they want to do. I knew from the start that I was never going to work a traditional you know, nine to seven job at a law firm, you know, maybe would I have done it maybe as like an internship or something like that, just to kind of see if I liked it or not, um, which I did do an internship for, for, for the summer with a law firm down here in Miami. And uh, I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think I knew early on that I wanted to be in the sports agency world. Did I think that I was going to start my own agency? Not at all. I mean, I didn't think that this was going to happen at all. And then, like you said, I had the opportunity. I kind of ran with it and it's turned into what it is today. And, and so you mentioned that it's really interesting that you knew going in that you didn't really want to practice law uh, and you had this other kind of idea. So um, my question for you is what, what were some of the things that were that you took away that made you say, hey, like, let me stick this out. Or, or in other words, why not leave law school? Like typically yeah. on the regular agent path or traditional in the past, it's like, okay, let me go to law school and, and, and practice law and then be able to negotiate contracts. But for you, what benefits did you see would help you do the other things outside of practicing law by staying in law school? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question because I, I questioned it a million times. <laughs> not, trust me, when we, when we started making actual money, I was like, I should just like drop out. Like I was ready to, and it was so difficult because law school is hard, man. Law school is really hard. And it's a lot of studying. It's a lot of reading. Um, and it took up a lot of time. I was always in class and I was all like, I didn't have any, I didn't have any time to like do recruiting or, you know, do a lot of stuff in the business. Um, and it was still growing, which was crazy, but, um, really I think law school, even if you don't want to be a lawyer is a tremendous, tremendous learning opportunity. I think you not only become a better communicator, which is super important in our job, which you know you completely understand. I think you become a better student, a better educator. You know, I, I can study and learn more easily now. I can read. I can definitely read a lot quicker than typical than normal. And um, you know, you just like network and meet so many amazing people. Like my professors are all like really, really powerful and just strong leaders in the space. Um, so I met a lot of great people that way. Um, you know, I was pretty involved with the sport and entertainment program at law school. So, you know, I had great, you know, speakers come in like Alex Rodriguez came in and we got to network with guys like that. Um, my professor was coach Mark Trustman of the Chicago Bears. So like that was an amazing experience as well. And he's somebody that's like a mentor to me now. Um, so, again, I think it was a great experience overall. And I think even though I don't want to practice law as like a traditional attorney, I think I'll definitely be using my law degree. Um, throughout my business and definitely like when it comes to contract negotiations um, and, and also just like consulting and helping other, you know, students and agencies kind of do stuff in that realm as well as important. No doubt. Yeah, it, it definitely is, um, is, a, is a differentiator for sure outside of, uh, you know, so, some of the agents that are, 
just in it with relationships, which again, we both know there's no right or wrong formula in this business. Uh, yeah. You know, no all, all it takes is one. No yep, exactly. All right. So let's, let's shift to the marketing discussion because I know this is your yeah. kind of bread and butter. Um, and I want to dive in more to, of course, some of the services that you guys provide at Raymond Rep, but also just like, let's, you know, educate myself and the audience about the NIL. I've had a handful of guests on recently that talk about the NIL and everybody has a different take because quite frankly, if somebody tells you this is exactly how it's run, they're, they're crazy because it's the wild, wild west still, yeah. right? So it's going to be great to get your perspective on what's worked for you, what the NIL market is. And so, yeah, I mean, go ahead, start away. I mean, I guess first the, the, the marketing opportunities you provide for, for your clients and services, and then we'll go into NIL. Yeah, so when I talk about NIL, first of all, we, we've built out a division at this point with NIL. So the way that we handle it as an agency is I take it very seriously. Like we go deep into this and really created kind of a foundation. So, you know, we work with, of course, of course we work with college basketball players because, you know, some of, the, some of the players that we work with, you know, we hope to keep as a pro and be able to work with them long-term. But really where I saw the NIL opportunity was working with all different athletes, you know, athletes that have amazing social media followings, have great personalities, very marketable guys and girls. Um, and we built out an entire women's division as well, which we have seven female athletes um, with all different sports, track and field, gymnast, um, and, and also like volleyball, et cetera. So it's been very, very unique in that aspect, which I really enjoy. Um, but when I, when I talk about NIL, the, the thing that I like to talk about is three pillars, really. This is kind of how we approach each client and like the marketing aspect of it. So the first pillar is really the national and the social media campaigns, right? And what that is, is like, for example, we'll get into more detail, of course, but for example, like Outback Steakhouse is doing a social media campaign or H&R Block is doing a social media campaign. Or, you know, let's say Gymshark reaches out to one of our clients and wants to do some kind of campaign. So that's what I mean by national, these worldwide companies, national companies um, doing stuff with social media. Um, and just to touch on that really quickly is a lot of athletes can't do these deals. And it's not because they can't do, it's not because they can't do them. Like it's because they don't have that social media following. They don't have that, you know, big personality or marketability. And I think that's something that you need to be honest and just genuine with these, with these clients when you're signing them is everybody wants to be a part of a Gatorade deal or a Wilson deal. But at the end of the day, you know, 90% of college athletes are not going to be a part of those deals because they're looking for the top fish, just like it is in pro basketball or pro football. You know, they want to work with the top of the top. And, you know, that's why you really have to have a lot of relationships so you can try to leverage, you know, other companies and a little bit smaller companies to work with your clients in that way. Um, but I do think that you don't need to be like a top 20 pick or a top 10 pick to be very profitable and be very marketable in the NIL space because we have clients that are unbelievable in the way that they build their brand and they make really, really good content and the brands love working with them over and over again because of how great of like a personality they are. You know, they're real, they're genuine, et cetera. Um, so then the second pillar that I'll get into is kind of the local market, right? And this is, you know, something that I talk about a lot. I think the local market has honestly died down a little bit from what it was in the beginning. In the beginning of NIL, it was the wild, wild west. And every company, you know, everybody that, that lived by the school or whatever, they wanted to be involved with a lot of these college athletes. But I think now, as more businesses have really seen, like, the return on investment, you know, might not be as high as what they really initially wanted. And I think also NIL is still so new. And you know how many people in, like, business owners, like, don't even, like, really follow college sports? So you think that they're going to know about what NIL is? So you have to really, like, educate so many people on the whole process, like, what it is. And I think really when it comes down to the local market, what we're seeing is these collectives being formed now, which are ran by a lot of the alumni boosters of the school. And then they're starting to engage with the local market to kind of help all the deals go through the collectives. And, you know, I, I like that idea. I don't think it's terrible. I mean, obviously there's pros and cons with the collectives. And we've seen some of the crazy stories going around, and you know, especially in Miami, there's stuff going around, but um, I think that, when it comes to the local market, something that we've had really good success with is, you know, for some of our basketball players, right? For example, you know this, a lot of them like to have recovery or cryo or massage or food, whatever it may be, maybe some shoes. So even just working on like a local deal with a cryotherapy place and you say, hey, listen, you know, you don't have to give one of my guys any upfront money, 
but can he come in and do cryo once a week and maybe post it on his Instagram story? And I've seen a lot of success with those kind of deals. I mean, a lot of the deals like, you know, we did a food, we did a food deal with Cameron Mugusti in Miami with this place called Meat and Bone, which was a phenomenal place. They would give him free steaks and free burgers and all this amazing food. And then he could also bring in his teammates to, to eat at the restaurant whenever he wanted. So I thought, you know, trying to try to put together those kind of unique opportunities was also something that worked really well for us. And then on top of it, you know, you could approach a local restaurant like a, like a sports bar and say, hey, can we create some kind of a meet and greet event where you throw my guy maybe two or three thousand dollars? And then, you know, he comes in, he signs some autographs, meets some fans. And, you know, we do it every we do it after every home game. You know, and that's another kind of unique opportunity. So that's kind of the local market. Um, that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. It takes a lot more time. You have to do a lot of calls, a lot of cold emails. You got to go into some of these restaurants yourself and talk to the GMs and the managers. Um, so it's a lot more difficult. And then really the last thing that I touch on, which is like honestly the most important thing to me, and I'm not saying this to be cliche by any means, but the charity aspect and the community aspect, I think that's the most important. And I think NIL is not an opportunity to make money. You can make money, don't get me wrong, but NIL is an opportunity to be able to connect with your community and connect with fans and be able to give back to charities. And you're allowed to do it now, you know, before you weren't allowed to do these kind of things. So I think, you know, we have examples of a lot of our players working with local charities, um, you know, like Colin Castleton, for example, he did something with UF Health in their children's hospital. And we gave, we gave back to their toy drive. And he, you know, he took pictures with some of the kids while he was there. And I know that that deal meant more to him than any of the other deals that we did, no matter if it was five grand, 10 grand, whatever it may be, that hour that he spent was a lot more important. Yeah, that's, wow. that's, that's it. It's a lot. I mean, I, ha I, I, I have a page full of notes here, but no, that was great. You know, I think those three pillars, I haven't, I haven't really heard someone break it down that way. I mean, in my opinion, you know, the NIL is, is, um, NIL is really entrepreneurship, but the way that you broke it down is, you know, to national campaigns, the local market, and then charity and community is, is great. And I think, yeah. um, you know, kind of to piggyback on what you said, you know, usually I'll go, I'll have the same conversation the way that I'm recruiting players is like one, educate yourself. So whether you're listening to a podcast, whether you're, whether you're reading a white paper, whether you're talking to people that have done deals before, educate yourself as, a, as an athlete. But the second thing is look in the mirror. Like it's, you know, if you have, a thousand followers and you're on like a division two team or a division one team in a small market, low major, like yep. you're, you're not irrelevant because you're not, you don't have a blue check, right? You just have to understand that if you look in the mirror and realize your situation, you know, like that you can get creative with it. Like <clears throat> NIL is entrepreneurship. And so at the end of the day, yep. it's not holding your phone up and taking a selfie saying, yo brand, send me a deal. Like, don't forget, this is a business. So as it's a business for you, like you want money, businesses need money too. So you touched on that at the local level, right? Like if you're going to go to a local business and say, Hey, um, you know, can I get two grand? Well, it's like, think about it for a second. Think in, in, in terms of a business mindset, what's the ROI? Are you bringing money to the table for them? Right. Yeah. And again, every business is different. Maybe they want to pay you for exposure, but these are some of the things that, you, you know, that, that you have to think about. And so you, you made, um, you made a great, you made a great point. I want to touch on really quickly, because that was a great point. The first point that you had made is kind of like look in the mirror. Right. And what I want to say about that is, you know, it's not us being harsh, right. We're just being real. And like you said, some of these national campaigns, you need to remember and nothing against the companies, but do you think they know basketball, like how an agent would know basketball, how a scout would know basketball? You know, we have high level players that are like maybe like a second rounder, right? Or like a top 80 guy who's like on a, not on the draft boards, but maybe like right on the edge of a draft board. But some of these companies, they're just looking at social media followers. They're just looking at engagement. They don't know who, like they don't really know Colin Castleton and his game and like what kind of opportunity it could be to work with him if he ends up to become a first round pick, right? They're just looking at what is their engagement? What's their following? You know, what have they done before? Because they're at the end of the day, they're brands. You know, they're not, some of them are basketball fans. Don't get me wrong. I've had calls with guys that are like, oh, you guys work with this guy or this guy. I love him, you know? But a lot of my calls are like, what are their analytics? Send me their past five, you know, social media posts. Maybe they could care less about what kind of, you know, athlete they are because they don't really know. And I think that's super important because it's like I said in the beginning, you know, these brands only want to work with the top, with the top female and male athletes that have those big social media followings. 
but there's still a massive NIL opportunity for the other people. You just have to learn how to kind of strategically maneuver it. And like I said, do local deals, do a little bit of smaller deals, or you work with a company that you love and just don't take money up front. You say, hey, Gymshark, I wear your stuff every day. Hey, Legends, I wear your stuff every day. I love Legends gear. You know, you say, if you just send me a care package, I don't mind posting amazing videos and pictures for you guys. I just want to wear your stuff because I love it. That, that's yeah. great. Let's 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 double click real quick on analytics there. So, can you yeah. can you just give maybe an example of? And obviously, obviously, this is going to depend on the brand here. But like, if if a brand is saying, "Hey, you know, Michael, can you give me uh, this client's last five posts?" Like, what could be some of those analytics that they look for? Like, okay, you know, in, in terms of digging deeper, like somebody has a big following, what does big following mean? And what is the potential revenue attached to that? Like if somebody has 4,000 followers, do they maybe have a thousand dollar value in the market? Or if somebody has a hundred thousand followers, what is their value? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think the best way for me to answer is to give you specific examples um, of like different clients that we've done deals with. But um, to, to to be completely honest with your answer here is engagement matters more than follower count. And I think I've learned that over the past year because we've had clients that, you know, you might see 100,000 followers, you might see 80,000 followers, but then the clients that I have that have 20,000 or even 10 have twice the engagement that some of those bigger following counts have because with social media, it's so hard to know who's real and who's not, you know, there's so much fake and toxicity in that. So, um, but to give you an example, I mean, let's start with Trinity, right? Who's just been a superstar for us. She's our gymnast at UF. Um, could be a potential Olympian. She's unbelievable. And we've done at least 15 brand deals with her. And, you know, it's ranged from, you know, low four figure deals, you know, and anywhere from like a $2,000 deal or to a $30,000 deal. And, you know, what they do is they, they really want to see one, their engagement, what their audience looks like, which, you know, you can get all these analytics either online or through social, through Instagram, whatever. Um, and brands, like you said, they all look for different things. Some companies want to have a male-focused audience. Some want both. Some want kids. Some want adults. It all depends on what they're looking for. And you know, a great example was like our H and R Block deal that we did with Trinity, which was a which was a huge deal. It was a ton of deliverables, um, a lot of different content, and it was a pretty unique deal because it wasn't just social media posts in return, but it was also a community service event. It was also a Title IX aspect to it, where they had to give a you know, they had to talk to title, they had to talk to other students about Title IX and what it meant to them. And then on top of that, HR Block was so amazing that they even hooked them up with an accountant to handle their taxes for the next two years, which I thought was like one of the smartest kind of implementations I've seen. Because all these players forget that they gotta pay taxes at the end of the year. And you know, our job as their agent is to kind of guide them and tell them what they need to do. But at the end of the day, we're not tax accountants. So, you know, we could put an accountant in their face and say, hey, you should do, you should get your, your taxes done, but are they going to really do it? You know, so I think H&R Block helping us with that was really, really incredible. And, um, you know, like I said, they, they had some great social media posts. It was a mix of, you know, them doing their own videos and talking to the camera and saying, hey, you know, we're doing this with H&R Block. They're helping us with our, our taxes, Title IX. And then on top of that, they also mixed in content from H&R Block directly as well. So like H&R Block would send them pictures or videos that were done and they'd have to post it on their social media platforms. Um, so that, that's an example of, of like a bigger deal. That, that, was, that was perfect. That was a great breakdown. Sounds like an amazing deal. H&R Block, if you're listening, I would love to do a deal like that. <laughs> uh, but, but in all seriousness, uh, a, a yeah. follow-up question. So it sounds like a great deal. Obviously, there's a lot of value in there, but there were that you just named, and I'm sure there's more, there was a lot of deliverables. And so yeah, um, yes. do, is, is that something that, and it could be case by case for you, but is that something that you do as well? Um, and, and I guess, t- yeah, talk about the deliverables because one thing, <clears throat> one of the like red flags that, you know, I always try to bring up, or at least for student athletes to be aware of is you're not just getting a check for 20K to do a deal, uh, let alone the fact that you need to get an accountant and do your taxes, you're not getting 20K outside of that conversation there's deliverables. You might have to show up somewhere. You might have to tweet something. You might have to wear something. You have to be aware. And so who, like as an athlete, 
ask yourself who's helping you with that, right? It sounds like something that yeah. it's something that you do, obviously on bigger yeah. deals, but yeah, t- talk about that process. No, yeah, so that's that's the most fun process because that's like the negotiation process, right? And that's like where like the, you know the inner agents that we love to be like kind of comes out. And um, you know the funny thing about it is that I tell every athlete the money, the compensation is probably the last thing that I look at when I'm looking at these contracts. I look at the liverables first. I look at exclusivity rights. So how long can this brand, you know, how long can you not work with other brands is really the answer. You know, like if Gatorade does a deal with one of our clients, which we did a Gatorade deal, it was strictly social media. And what they had to do was they had to film themselves in different scenarios and clips. And then Gatorade edited the whole thing for them. And then they posted it on their social media channels, just one video, but Gatorade had exclusivity in that deal, you know, with other, with other beverage companies, of course. So it goes on for a certain period of time. So my job is to negotiate the deliverables. And, you know, sometimes I agree with what they are. And sometimes I go, no way, there's way too much here. You know, they want like 10 posts, you know, 12 stories or whatever it may be and six TikToks. And I'm like, all right, well, for this amount of money, it's not worth that at all. Um, you know, we have that, we have those conversations. Um, and then exclusivity, usage rights, those are all things that we have to negotiate because usage rights has been a massive problem with a lot of the deals that I've seen that college athletes have been signing that don't have representation because, you know, they get a check for five grand and, you know, let's say some company gives them a bunch of stuff and they have to do some Instagram posts, but they don't read in writing that it says, hey, we have your usage rights for the next 12 months or for the next 24 months. And, you know, not only should you be getting more money for that, but you should be trying to get that as low as possible almost every single time because usage rights is, is them using your name image and likeness. You know, they're using your name image and likeness to make even more money and you don't even realize it, you know? So I think that's really, really important. And, um, you know, we have our legal team look over every contract as well. Um, you know, I have a general counsel on board with the, with the agency who helps with that. And then, you know, everything kind of goes through me as well when it comes to the brand deals and stuff. So it's definitely a process. The last thing that I'll say is, you know, people might see all the social media deals and stuff like that, like on our Instagram and on LinkedIn, but they don't realize how long these deals take. Like, you know, you could be talking to a brand, right? And then it takes two weeks to get a contract and then another week to review the contract. And then your, your player actually signs the contract and then they have to get the gear, takes another week for them to get the package. And then it's like, then they got to make the content, all right? Then it's another two weeks, and then the brand has to approve the content. And then there's a couple other, you know, weeks where they have to post everything. So it could take literally two months to get paid and to, and to get a deal done. And I think the last thing I'll say is when it comes to payment terms, that's another negotiable thing that is probably massive for us because some of these brands, they want to do net 60 or net 45, or I'll pay you half up front, I'll pay you half at the end. And it's like, our job is to get our clients paid as quick as possible when they're doing all this work. And I've had problems, trust me, I've had, I've had brands that are incredible and they pay me the second that our, our person posted something. And then I've had brands say, you know, our accounting firm is not gonna let us do anything but net 60, that's it. Net 60 is the only thing we can do. And that's a two month, you know, waiting process to get paid, so. Crazy. That, that's, um, that was a phenomenal session on marketing, but a perfect transition into the agent side because yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking about getting paid in two months, <laughs> man, that would, that would be fantastic. Can you imagine overseas if we sign a contract in July <laughs> and we got paid in September? Oh my goodness. I'm still waiting to get paid and it is June. And I so know, that's a good transition, kind <laughs> of a funny one, but a serious one, a transition to the agent side. So obviously, you, you know, you have your NBPA agent license and, you know, you represent players as well. So well, how is, how have you been able to mix that into your, to your services and strategy? And um, what, what has your experience been like as a, I like to call it non, um, you know, big agency agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, you know, one of the things that I think is important for me was, you know, I didn't want to forget what I came into the business for, even though that we did pivot, you know, we did pivot, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad about starting a marketing division and an NIL division. I love it. And I think it's a great opportunity. And at the end of the day, I get to meet amazing people. I get to build an amazing company and I, you know, I, we get to make money and pay the bills. Right. And basketball is a lot harder and it's a lot more time consuming. And, you know, you know how this business is. It's very transactional. It's very money driven. 
And to get a lot of the big fish, you know, you need to have a big fish backing you or some kind of, you know, you know how it is, like, you know what I mean, investors, et cetera. And, yep. you know, it takes, it takes a lot of time to build a really good basketball roster. So we had to find other ways. But one of the things that's super important to me was keeping my license and staying as a registered agent because at the end of the day, I came in this business to be an agent. I love the game of basketball. I have a passion for it. You know, do I, do I handle as much overseas stuff as I, as I thought I was going to be doing? No, because we kind of, you know, focus more on the marketing, the NIL side instead of that. But, you know, will I still be doing pre-drafts? Will I still be trying to recruit high-level players? You know, am I still going to work with other agents to, to, to do those things? Of course. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my vision. That's my passion. I love the game of basketball. Um, but again, it's, it takes a lot more time and it's a lot more difficult. And, you know, I think people need to be, you know, real with themselves because you know how there's a lot of young agents coming to the business and they think because, you know, you have a friendship with somebody or because you have this relationship that you'll be able to sign the guys. And it doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, when they start popping off and six or seven agencies are in their ears and, you know, you got CAA, you got Wasserman, you got all the big boys that are, that are chirping at them you know, money starts to talk real quick. And then your relationship essentially doesn't even matter half the time. So again, I think one of the last things I'll say is you need to be built for this business. And, you know, like you said, you know how like I know you're built for it is like when I called you earlier and we started this conversation and you were fired up because of the situation that you had with one of your players. And that's how you know you're built for it though, because you have a passion for it. Like you genuinely like, yo, we need to get this thing handled, you know? And I feel the same way when it comes to, you know, talking to players or a player leaves us or whatever it may be, I get fired up too. And I'm like, you know, what did I do wrong? How could I be better? You know, what connection did I not have? You know, what were they looking for? So I think all those negatives play a really good positive in your life because you really just learn from those. Um, but that's, that's really it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, it's an interesting topic and, and, and it's funny because, you know, every day and especially the past six months, let's say it's, it's a fine line between, you know, relationship building and business and at some yeah. point there's there's you know every, every relationship you have there's a there's a different let's call it a different gray area right some is a little bit more transactional than others which is fine um, and some needs to be more relationship based but you know you need to balance in this business being able to get punched in the face several times but just get back up again and and yeah. and, and you know it's um it's just it's 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 really interesting just the way that you know you can see long-term success based on you know just getting up more times than you get hit in the mouth because in this business for whatever reason for many reasons you're gonna get you know you're you're you're, you're gonna come across <laughs> challenges and again for me it's like yeah. I, there also needs to be, which is, which is just a personality thing. It's like, you know, you have to have some grit and be, you know, get fired up, but you also have to be a nice guy. Like there's a balance, right. You know, that saying nice guys finish last is, um, it's not necessarily true. I believe there's room in this business for everyone, but I at the same time, you know, if you have a situation with somebody that, you know, thinks they're going to take advantage of you being too nice, you have to be confident enough to be bold and, and, you know, back that up with whether it's legal or whether it's whatever, um, so yeah, it's just a really, uh, it's a, it's a fine line and, and it's definitely, um, an art and a science. I was going to say one thing that, that I love that you kind of mentioned was, um, you know, when it comes to us on the basketball side, kind of being new and younger, one of the things that I had to do to kind of differentiate ourselves from having that as a problem, because you know how I, mean, I, I talk to parents, I talk to players all the time. And the first thing that they say is, you know, oh, you just graduated law school. Like, you know, you're only a year and a half, two years in this, like, you know, what have you done? And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's hard to sell yourself and you're selling yourself constantly in this business. So what I did was, you know, I took a step back. I kind of put my ego aside. I brought some very successful, some experienced people into my life, into my space. And I have those leaders now that work with me that I'm affiliated with, like, you know, like a Keith Kreider like that. Like, you know, he's somebody that I work with very closely. He's essentially like, you know, a partner of mine in the basketball space. And then like having guys like, you know, you that can help me with overseas players and kind of just delegating certain things where we can all have that opportunity to make money and be successful. And I can't do everything. You know, there's, I can't do everything. I can't answer every question. I can't solve every problem. And I think, you know, another thing is, is I love this quote that I actually saw like recently, but it was, you know, current information can match past experiences. And I think for me, it was really important to hear that because 
I don't have experience of having five guys drafted in the first round or guys that were undrafted and I brought them on a team. I don't have that experience until I get that experience. You know, I'm still too new. I just got into this space. But what I could do is put my head down, study the game, research as much as possible and have as much information and the best people around me that I possibly can have to try to mismatch that experience factor. And that's what I've done. That's what I've done. And that's why I feel like we've, we've been successful with it. It is definitely one of the success factors for yourself. And you need that if you want to stay alive. I remember, um, you know, looking back the other day, I have over here in my, in, in, in my office, a, um, like the first recruiting deck. And it was like, you know, frequently asked questions when parents, you know, ask questions about agents. It's like, no, yeah. I, you know, have you, have you ever represented a player? No. Well, shit, why the hell should we sign with you? It's like, well, look, yeah. I get it. I get it. But um, at the same time, uh, you know, to go along with your quote, it's like, I have been to 36 countries and I have relationships and boots on the ground. Whereas if you call another agent uh -oh. that's recruiting your son or your daughter, um, ask them how many, how many games they've been to and how many relationships they have and how many cups of coffee they had in person with the people they talked to overseas. Not yep. that that's right or wrong, and they're going to get it assigned with you, but it's a differentiator. And ultimately, no, ultimately, to wrap this this kind of uh, uh, entire topic up is in this business, like like anything in life, really, you 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 need an opportunity, um, and especially I think in sports, you need somebody to empower you with that opportunity, whether that's your first big client or getting an opportunity at uh, you know an agency you want to work with, or somebody being your mentor. You need somebody to give you that opportunity, but that's also not going to come fall in your lap. You have to kind of, you know, you have to prepare yourself. Uh, what, what's that saying? You know, the, the, the more prepared you are, the more lucky you get. I, I believe in that. Yeah, so, you know, so you need a little luck. Yeah. Prepare yourself <laughs> and then luck timing, it, 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 it all works out. But right. um, man, this is, this, this is fantastic. I mean, I got, you know, I, we, we had so many topics to talk about. You dove deep on the marketing stuff, the player rep stuff, the Raymond rep stuff. It's been, it's been fun. I, I, you know, I appreciate your time. I know you educated the audience. If they want to learn more, work with you, obviously you'll have all the links and all your stuff on, you know, on this episode, yeah. but uh, man, that was really good. Last, last question here is uh, so for someone listening that wants to break in the industry, either, on the player rep side, or let's just say talent management side, any, any, any advice? Yeah. I mean, I have three things that I kind of just like, you know, noted when you said that, but first of all, like we said in the beginning, there's no blueprint in this business. And I think that's important. And I think there's so many different ways, especially now with social media and NIL that you don't need to be an, like an agent. You don't need to be an MBA agent in order to work with players. And I think people need to understand that it's just a piece of paper. You know, as you know, a lot of people get this license and 90% of them never sign a client, you know? And I think at the end of the day, if you add value either to an agent or to a player or to their family, there's always a way for you to be involved in that, in that player's life. And the key is just to add value. And I think relationships are everything in this business. I think, you know, from the beginning, like you need to just start networking and building those relationships. And I, I think you do this better than anybody I've ever seen but in a strategic and meaningful way. I think that is really, really important. It's one thing to build relationships with a million people, but you need to be very strategic about how you do it, who you stay in contact with, how do you keep those connections open for a long period of time, and how can you utilize them when you need them, and how can you help them in return? So I think that's really important. Um, really quickly, another thing is, I think you need some money, right? I think you definitely need money. And I think that's just me being real with everybody that's listening to this podcast is like, if you want to be an agent, you need at least a couple of grand just to get certified and just to get all of the trips and, you know, the MBA certification and the FIBA certification. And people don't realize it costs, you know, five to six grand just to get started. And I think on top of that, then you have recruiting expenses, then you have marketing, you know, your own social media, your own marketing, you know, going and flying out a player to, you know, Miami or whatever and getting a training session done. And then don't even get me started with pre-draft. I mean, that's like, a whole different thing. So, you know, you better have some money. And I think that's, you know, that's important as well. Then the last thing I'll say just to wrap this whole thing up is I think stay true to yourself. And, you know, I think that's probably the most important thing. Like, like I said, it's very daunting and you're selling yourself a lot. So I think your physical and mental health is super important to kind of last in this business and, you know, staying true to yourself. Like, you know, some players will be meant for you and some won't, you know, no matter how good they are, some won't be a fit for you. And, you know, you just don't have the same mindset, the same vision. So I think that's really important to say no sometimes and, you know, to never kind of change your values. Um, so that's that's really it. And again, it's a pleasure to be with you, bro. I, you know, I, I've been a 
been a fan, and I'm, I'm glad that we can call ourselves, you know, good friends and brothers at this point and, uh, you know, keep building our relationship. I love it, man. Well, I can't let you leave without giving you the sports business lighting round. I know you've listened before, so you might have a little, little hint on some of the questions coming at you, but the name of the game is just hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind. I love it. All right. What's it. your favorite, what's your favorite color? Green. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. Pizza or pasta? Oh, pizza for sure. Not even close. <laughs> Would you rather be able to speak to all animals or speak three languages fluently? Oh my God. Um, all animals. That's a great what, question. What, what's your favorite country outside of your own? Uh, South America. <laughs> you know, any, anywhere Fair in enough. South America. <laughs> yeah. What is one of your biggest strengths? Communication. Who is one of the first people to really believe in you? Scott Buxton. What is one of your biggest fears? Oof, I don't even know. That's such a good question. I can't even think about it in lightning round. Um, not living up to my own expectations. That's a good one. Go. Couple more here. If you could have dinner and drinks with uh, anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would that be? Oof, that's a really good question. <laughs> First person. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know. Let's, let's just say my grandpa, who's not here anymore. Haven't seen him yet. That's a great one. Family first. Yep. And then last one here, if you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old Michael, what would you tell him? I would definitely tell him, just keep doing your thing. Everything's going to work out. Great advice. All right, brother. Well, that was the last thing I have for you. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll appreciate definitely it. be seeing you here soon. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.